Thank you guys very much. That's very kind. 50K is as far I've ever, as I've ever gone, so half of that much. Um, typically when I talk to you guys, I, you know, usually I'm handed a topic that's kind of more light and uh, I get to show funny videos or something like that. There's none of that tonight. But hopefully it'll be meaningful to you. I know that, that this is a serious topic for a lot of folks. Uh, if not for you, then it's probably a serious topic for somebody close to you. So we want to hopefully find some wisdom here. While he started off uh, well enough as a young man, during the time that he was attending law school, he seemed to undergo a change. As he poured through his law books day and night, um, the people around him noticed that he began to look gaunt. He was losing weight. Um, the death of a close friend seems to bring, seemed to bring even greater change in his life. Um, he seemed wrapped in deep thought, kind of indifferent to the things that were going on around him. Um, he often would take his gun and wander off into the woods by himself, avoiding even his closest friends. Um, his friends became very frightened for his health. Uh, and when he, he talked with them, he actually acknowledged to them that he was struggling finding a reason to live. Um, they, whenever the weather took a turn for the worse, he would, uh, his friends would gather around because they were frightened because that seemed to bring on even a deeper gloom for him. Uh, when, uh, when a close friend moved away, he became, oh, actually that's later. So he made it through that period of time, but then six years later, he went through a, another period of dark emotional um, struggle. Uh, when a close friend moved away, he became more and more depressed and began missing work on a regular basis. At that time, he wrote a letter and he said, it said this. He said, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be even one cheerful face on earth. Whether I will ever be better, I cannot tell. I often fear that I will not. To remain as I am is impossible. I either must die or get better. The man who wrote those words was Abraham Lincoln. Um, Joseph Wolf Shank published a book a few years back called Lincoln's Melancholy, how depression challenged a president and fueled his greatness. In the book, uh, he chronicles uh, Lincoln's, really his lifetime struggle with feelings of melancholy and depression. Um, when his friends would be around him, almost every friend who described Lincoln, would, the first thing they would talk about would be just this overwhelming sense of gloom. They, they never had met somebody who was as depressed um, as he was. It always just seemed to be the thing that, that shocked them, you know, first up. Uh, depression is something that nearly every one of us is going to experience at some time in our life to some degree or another. For some people, it's experienced as a limited season of life in relation to maybe a particular event or a loss in our life. Um, for other people, like Lincoln, it's really a lifetime adversary that they wrestle with, uh, you know, oftentimes on a daily basis. The word depression, I think, uh, is confusing for us, partly because it's used in a lot of different ways to kind of be used interchangeably by different people. Um, it's also confusing, I think, because it's just, it is a mysterious and multi-layered kind of an issue. The emotion that we most often associate with um, depression is sadness. 
Um, now, sadness, just as an emotion itself, and this is your first fill in the blank, um, the sadness is just really a natural reaction to loss or suffering in our life. You know, a close friend or a family member dies. We live through a natural disaster. We have a breakup with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, our body is injured or ill at some time. And the natural reaction out of that is, is sadness. You know, we struggle with the sadness of that. Um, psychologists will tell us that really a period of mourning and sadness in relation to those kind of events is not only expected, but it's a healthy thing. You know, oftentimes if people don't go through a period of mourning, then they, they struggle with other kinds of issues farther down the road. And the Bible tells us that there are definitely going to be times of sadness in our life, um, just that it's just a natural part of the human experience. Um, in Ecclesiastes, the book tells us that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under, the, under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh. Jesus, when he was preparing to go to the cross for my sins and for your sins, the Bible tells us that he became really sad. Um, he actually went to a garden with some friends, and the Bible tells us that he got very troubled in the midst of that. Matthew 26 says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. I think Jesus there models for us the idea that, that sadness and mourning are not sin. It's not a sinful thing. Um, it, that they are a normal part of the human experience. Now, when we talk about depression, we're usually talking about something that kind of goes beyond what is typical, you know, just what we'd call a regular sadness. It's a sadness or a, an experience that seems to go beyond what we might consider typical. Um, we're talking about something that lingers longer. Often when what we call depression also involves what is known as kind of a slowing down of our bodies. There's a sense of, of kind of a slowing that, that goes with it, a, a, oftentimes a profound sense of lethargy or fatigue that sets in. And these things are actually sometimes a more key um, symptom of depression than really is sadness. Oftentimes people, when they're experiencing depression, will experience that fatigue, that sense of apathy about everything, even if they can't put, on, put an emotion to it. They can't say that they're sad in, in some way. Um, historically, the word depression has always been used just to describe a state of sadness that, that comes on us and seems to linger. It's very natural for people to historically to always say that um, I'm depressed, I feel depressed. And we say that sometimes now, although I think we say it less, because that term more and more has come to mean, um, in most people's minds, something connected with more of a, a psychological or a medical kind of condition. And that, that's definitely true. Um, but historically, it's always been something else. If you look at the, the, the definition in Webster's, it just says a state of feeling sad. In his book, Dark Clouds and Silver Linings, Dr. Archibald D. Hart really describes three different ways that we can look at depression. And I think that it's useful in some ways to see them that way. Um, first of all, he says that depression can be a symptom. It's a symptom. Uh, depression can be a symptom that something is not right with our bodies, something's not right with our life, and it needs it's, it, our attention. 
Something needs our attention, so the warning light of depression comes on. We had one of our cars the other day, a little warning light came on. It looked like uh, Aladdin's lamp. I was pretty sure that, that our genie didn't need uh, assistance at that time. So when we looked closely, it was dangerously low on oil. And I'm convinced that if we had not addressed that immediately, the engine would have seized up and I'd be looking for a new car at this time. Um, the, uh, so in the same way that a, a light comes on our dash and says something's going on, you need to, to address here. Um, depression can sometimes be that kind of thing in our life. Um, when the light, when the, in the same way when depression acts as a symptom that something is wrong and needs our attention. Sometimes it's literally a symptom of a physical illness. Sometimes when people experience a heart condition, there'll they'll be before that a sense of, of lethargy, a sense of depression that kicks in. Um, in those cases, it's really sometimes about slowing us down, maybe to get well. That's part of what our body's trying to do at that moment. If we respond appropriately to that depression, it can actually be a part of healing. We see the symptom, we work towards it, and it, it helps with something else. Dr. Hart also tells us that depression can be a reaction. Um, as I mentioned before, it's sometimes just a simply a reaction to a loss in life. Um, but it maybe extends beyond the norm. Something terrible happens in our life, and we just have a hard time getting over it. We just keep kind of struggling with, with that issue that comes up. Uh, it extends beyond the normal, what normal sadness would be. Thirdly, Dr. Hart tells us that depression can be a disease. Um, scientific research, I'm sure you guys, most of you are aware that, you know, it's discovered that depression can very specifically just be a, really a, a physiological experience um, related to the neurotransmitters in our brain. Um, you know, some depression is really just a malfunction of our brain. Um, this is most often true of what's known as major depression, of the depression connected with uh, a manic depressive or bipolar disorder. Um, sometimes our hormonal balances can get out of whack, and that in turn makes our brain kind of not function the way it's supposed to. Now, these categories I think are helpful, um, and it's good to be able to look at them that way, but I think it still often remains confusing because the line between those types of depression is just not all that clear. It's not crisp and clear, like this is happening and this is happening. So a lot of times there can be overlap, or somebody can be experiencing kind of multiple of those at the same time. So it's still hard sometimes to, uh, you know, to, to really be super precise about it. The Bible gives us a picture of a variety of people in various stages of grief or depression in their lives. Uh, people like Job, Elijah, Hannah, um, King David, Solomon, they all suffered through periods of extreme melancholy that just, you know, and grief that seemed to overwhelm them. Um, the Bible is so beautiful to me because it doesn't pull its punches. It shows us that, that you know, people are, are even really, really good people are sometimes going to have to go through periods of darkness and difficulty in their life. Um, Everybody's going to have to carry, maybe at some point, a load of sadness that's really hard to, to bear. Proverbs 14 says, even in laughter, the heart may ache, and joy may end in grief. And Proverbs chapter 15 tells us, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, 
but heartache crashes the, uh, crushes the spirit. Um, both those verses really remind us that the Bible recognizes that sadness is a part of what we're going to have to experience sometimes. Grief, sometimes melancholy and depression. Um, the Bible it tells us that that's just a natural part of our, oftentimes, our everyday experience. Now, the good news is, the really good news of the Bible is that the picture that it shows is that God knows about that and that he cares about that. He cares about us in the midst of it. You know, he knows every need that we have and he loves us where we are, even in the midst of our deepest, darkest, ugliest times. Um, it's not in your outline, but a passage that has come to mean a lot to me over the, the last number of years is Psalm 139. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will hold me. Your right hand will, will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. There is nowhere that we can go that God does not continue to love us and pursue us, even in our times of sadness and depression. Our depression is not a surprise to God. He understands it clearly, way better than we could ever understand it. It doesn't startle him at all. Um, if we have become a Christian, if we've said that we've accepted the gift that Jesus gave on the cross, and we've crossed that line of saying, God, I don't want to follow my own way, I want to follow you. You know, if we've done that, then the Bible tells us that God is about the business of reconstructing us, the way that a master uh, carpenter might go into an old dilapidated house and start tearing out old termite-ridden beams and replacing them with beautiful, new solid beams that are supposed to last, you know, for eternity. Um, the, the Bible says that God is about that work in our life. And he wants to do, to do that in every part of our life, including those seasons of darkness and depression. He wants to take those dark and difficult seasons and use them to bring us closer to him, use them to bring us to a better place. And he wants to take what is clearly garbage and, and turn it into gold in our life. And that's the beautiful thing about, uh, about God. Um, Romans chapter 8 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, it's, if, you're, if you look carefully at that verse, it doesn't say that all things are good. Depression's not good. It's a sad, ugly, hard time. But what it does say is that God is working in all things to bring about good in the lives of his children. And that's good news for me. I appreciate that. There's a diagram that's in your program, and uh, I have it up here a little bigger. The program is tiny, but you guys all have good eyes. My eyes are like, I saw that, and I was like, wow, is that a postage stamp or what? Um, this is a diagram that I've just found very useful over time. It's been helpful for me in thinking about how I can work with God in growing in my life and dealing with these, um, these difficult times that we all go through at one time or another. When you look at the diagram, you see there are three components kind of of our life. We have our thoughts, 
our feelings, and our actions. And uh, the, the diagram is supposed to represent the fact that all three of these areas have an effect on the others. Um, whatever happens in one of these areas has an impact on the other parts of, of, of it. For instance, if I'm going around thinking certain thoughts during the day, um, that's gonna affect the choices I make, what things I do during that day. It's also gonna affect the kind of feelings that I have, how I experience things. Um, also, if I make certain choices, I think my thing just died. Oh well, you guys got the idea. Um, the actions, if I make certain choices with my actions, that in turn's gonna, just the things that I'm doing during that day are gonna affect how I'm thinking and then how I'm feeling. And then obviously what we're talking about tonight is if I'm having dark, depressive feelings, that's gonna affect the kind of thoughts I have, the things that I'm thinking. It also is gonna affect the choices that I make, what I'm gonna do on that day. Now the challenge with this and the, and the difficult thing is, is twofold. One is that when you look at how you and I judge our life, when, we, when you ask somebody, how's life going? We judge it most often based on our feelings, on how we feel. If, if, if I am happy and I'm feeling happy, then life is good. If I'm feeling bad and, and unhappy about things, then life is bad. We use feelings kind of really as our thermometer oftentimes as to how, how our life is going. The challenge is that, that my will, the choices that I make, I can't really affect my feelings directly. Like I can't just get up and go, I'm gonna be happy today, you know? It's like I can't will that to be. As much as I would love that, um, it, it just doesn't work that way. But what I can do is I can make choices about the kind of thoughts that I think and the kind of actions that I choose. And by doing that, I indirectly am gonna, over time, affect my feelings. So this has been a really helpful way for me to think about my experiences and, and how I can work with God in, um, in really bringing about you know, change in my life in a, in a positive kind of a way. Um, here's the money statement. With God's guidance, we can overcome our depression by changing our thoughts and actions. Now, before I go any further, I want to make sure that I'm really clear with you. Um, I, am, I want to say clearly to you that I am not in any way discouraging anybody from seeking counseling support. I think that can be a huge, valuable tool in getting well, in dealing with depression in our life. I'm also not in any way discouraging anybody from making a, a pharmacological choice of using a medicine in, in regard to a, a medical professional that suggests that. There are many types of depression that require sometimes a medical intervention. I'm not pulling a Tom Cruise here. I'm very clearly saying to you that if that is warranted, you know, God can use medical professionals to help us with our healing. In the same way that if I had a heart condition, I go to the doctor, Sometimes certain types of depression um, just requires a, a medical intervention. And so I want you to be clear that I'm not saying that that's not a good choice at times. What I am going to share with you, though, tonight is I think can be helpful to you whatever your situation is. Whether you're experiencing a depression that just, you know, is maybe in relation at some point to a particular event in your life. Or maybe depression is an adversary that you wrestle with you know, again and again. Um, wh whichever way it is, 
I just want to tell you that I think that these things that I'm going to share with you can be helpful, and I hope that you'll take them and hold on to them, because maybe you're not struggling today, or maybe nobody close to you is struggling today, but I guarantee you there's going to be a time in which you'll, you'll experience this, and so I want to encourage you to hold on to this. I know it's hard to save stuff like this, but um, stow it away. I think it'll be on the podcast or something. Maybe save that one somewhere, because it might be helpful. Uh, first of all, so we talk about we want to change our thoughts and our actions. So changing our thoughts. In regards to changing our thoughts, my first suggestion is this. Memorize verses of faith and perseverance. I believe that this is a key element for dealing with the emotional challenges in our life, like periods of depression. Um, it's a key because I think a lot of times in the midst of those times, we, we begin to hang on to some really false thoughts. There are lies that begin to, to percolate in our brain. And, um, and if we're not careful, those things can take us in really bad and, and difficult directions. So what, what I'm encouraging you to do is to memorize God's word, to replace some of those lies with really beautiful, eternal truths, the things that have helped people for centuries and thousands of years. Um, I want to encourage you to, to bring those in. Now, I mentioned in particular verses about faith and verses about uh, perseverance. Faith is critical because I think it involves the process of taking our eyes off of ourself and focusing on the one who can really bring help to us. You know, we begin to look outside of ourselves to the one who truly has help to offer. Um, and knowing verses that emphasize faith can help us in that regard. One verse you might think about memorizing would be Psalm 10:14. It says, "But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless." Um, now, perseverance is also a critical component of dealing with and overcoming depression. Um, now, all of you ha have seen something that looks like this. This? You've probably seen it in your worst nightmares. Why they make those toys look that horribly scary, I have no idea. But they all seem to kind of look like that. Um, the, the colloquial, or I guess the generic name for that kind of a toy is a Bobo doll. And uh, it's weighted at the bottom, it's inflatable. Um, it's the kind of toy that, that you can knock it down. I mean, you can wail on that thing, and it just keeps popping back up, smiling at you, saying, is that all you got? <laughs> That's a good picture, I think, of what perseverance is about in our life. Um, people who have been able to overcome and deal with depression in their lives um, are people who, on some level, take that kind of mentality. You know, they can't seem to keep depression from coming and knocking on their door, but they do make choices, you know, courageous, and, and choices that involve perseverance for them, you know, that, that just allow them to endure. You know, instead of just saying, oh, you're here again, and, and curling up like a ball, they look it in the face and they say, no, I am never giving up. I'm never giving in to you. I'm never giving up. You may continue to plague me, but I will fight you with everything I've got. 
My emotions do not belong to you, and they will not be held hostage by you. You may knock me down, but I'm telling you every time I'm going to get back up. I'm going to fight you every time. People who show that kind of perseverance are people who are able to get well and to deal with their problem in a way that allows them to overcome. So perseverance, that commitment, that steely commitment, is just critical. And the Bible gives us really cool verses that emphasize the value of perseverance. Um, one verse you might consider is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face many kinds of trials, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 is kind of the, the Bobo doll verse of the Bible. Uh, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. A second suggestion that I want to make about changing how you think is pray in balance, not imbalanced, in balance. Um, many of you have seen the, uh, the acrostic that's in your, um, your program there, Acts, which represents the different elements of prayer, represents some different things that we want to make sure we're including in our prayer life. Um, a stands for adoration. Um, it, it, the idea that I want to make sure that I take time to adore God, to tell him you know, that, how that he is worthy of our praise, that he's great and does amazing things. C stands for confession, um, that idea of acknowledging before God that we've made mistakes. You know, to say, God, I've been doing my, things my way, ignoring your way. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to turn around, follow you in this situation. Um, T stands for thanksgiving taking time to thank God for the things that he's done in your life. And then S stands for supplication. And supplication is just another word for really asking God for things. You know, asking God for his help, asking God for his blessing. Now, when we experience times of depression, one of two things seems to happen oftentimes. One is we stop praying altogether. We just kind of curl up in a ball and we stop talking to God. Um, that's one problem that happens. I'm telling you, don't do that. You know, maintain that discipline of prayer. If you read the Psalms, in the middle of the Psalms, there's so many of the Psalms where um, David and, and others who wrote those are just pouring their heart out to God and just, you know, anguish. And they're struggling. It's clearly they're struggling. But they're come, continuing to talk to God. And because of that, God is able to, to bring them through. Um, so practice the discipline of continuing to pray. Another thing that happens, unfortunately, um, is sometimes we begin to pray maybe just one of the elements there. You know, maybe if, if uh, we feel guilt in some way, maybe that's what st we're struggling with with our depression. Uh, we just pray over and over, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Can you please forgive me? That's the worst thing ever. I wish I had never done that. You know, we just do that over and over and over. Um, other times, maybe we just are supplicating the whole time. God, help me. Help me, God. I need help. I just need you to help me right now. Um, and God is honest. He wants us to be honest with where our heart is. 
Uh, but I'm just going to challenge you to try to remember to pray in balance, you know, to include times of adoring God, of telling God that he is great, that he's worthy of our praise, and taking time to thank God, of saying, God, I thank you. I, I'm really sad and struggling right now, but I'm grateful for this thing. Maybe it's just something simple, the way your sandwich tastes or your bed feels or whatever it is. Be thankful to God in that moment. Make sure that you take time for that. I want to encourage you during these times to think about prayer as kind of a wheel that has four spokes in it. And these represent the spokes. So you want that wheel to be in balance. You don't want one of them to be way longer you know, than all of the others. Um, even if you don't feel like it, especially if you don't feel like it, I want to encourage you to practice that discipline. It's a way of, of beginning to shape our thoughts in a different way so that we see things more and more the way God wants us to see it. God commanded us actually to give thanks in all circumstances. First Thessalonians says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you continue to look for reasons to thank God, even in the midst of difficulty, I promise you it will help you. It'll help you to deal with the, the, tr the struggles that you're facing. Um, so these are just a couple ideas about how you can change your thoughts. In terms of changing your actions, I want to give you some, some suggestions. First of all, make healthy choices. As I mentioned previously, most depressions have kind of a physiological lethargy that's involved with them. Um, there's just that kind of a component. There's actually growing research to say that if if we begin to treat our bodies in healthier ways during times of emotional difficulty, um, that it actually can have a tremendous benefit on our mental and emotional health as well, um, including depression. I wanna suggest to you that you get some cardiovascular exercise every day. Go out and walk, run, skate, uh, swim, jump on your bed, whatever you want to do but get your body moving every day. You know, if you're struggling with depression, uh, if it's profound, you probably need to be doing that multiple times a day. There's some evidence to say that that might only last for a couple hours, so you wanna be doing that, you know, again and again. I know it's hard, but if you make that choice, that healthy choice, it really is gonna help. Um, when you look at research, physical exercise seems to be like the closest thing to a panacea that we have in, in uh, emotional mental health. Uh, when you look at research, does, you know, essentially does physical exercise help anxiety? Yes. Does it help depression? Yes. Does it help with controls of this kind of symptom? Yes. It seems like it seems to be helpful in almost every way. So you can't, can't go wrong. Uh, Timothy 4.8 says, 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for physical training is of some value. I also want to encourage you to eat right. You know, when you're depressed, there's a tendency to pull back and not do the things that are healthy for us. You know, God made us in this mysterious way that we're physical creatures, we reside in these animal bodies, but we also are these spiritual creatures as well. And, uh, you know, what we eat is really going to have an effect on us. What happens with us physically affects us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, Calvin and Hobbes, one of my favorites, um, Calvin says, I think rituals are important. My favorite ritual is eating three bowls of chocolate frosted sugar bombs and watching TV cartoons all Saturday morning. 
After a few hours, I'm so overstimulated, I can't sit still or even think straight. Huh, sort of a transcendental experience, huh? Yeah, I achieve a lower consciousness. Um, if you're eating like Calvin and sitting on your couch, you're not helping your depression. Um, try to eat naturally well-balanced food. Uh, I know it seems silly, but, but it, it's actually a thing that will help you over time. Um, make sure that you make time for the right amount of sleep. Sometimes when people struggle with depression, they sleep all the time. Other people don't sleep at all. Um, whatever your normal amount of sleep is, make room for that and no more no less. Um, and get outside every day and experience God's creation firsthand. Pet a dog, sniff a rose, go down to the creek and listen to the water as it rushes through the, the rocks. You know, whatever you need to do to, to get in touch with God's creation um, is just, it's going to be a really important thing. I think there's some wonderful things about how God has wired us that just really resonate with his creation. He uses it in, in beautiful ways to, to nourish us. Um, all these things might seem really simple things, but I, I think that they can be really helpful. I mean, I could stand here and tell you about how when you exercise, the endorphin levels help you, or when you see a lot of get outside with the sun, this, it's going to affect the serotonin levels in your brain, and how experiencing different types of stimuli, in particular beautiful ones, can seem to wake our brain up. I could tell you all that, but I'm just telling you, give it a try. It'll help you instead. Um, another thing that I want to suggest is seek healthy relationships. Depression tends to lead to isolation. When we go through dark periods, we tend to pull back from other people. And unfortunately, oftentimes because of how we're living life, people tend to pull back from us. And I'm just going to tell you that that isolation is not helpful. You know, we have this tendency in the midst of depression to seek out things that will dull our pain but don't really help us to heal. Let me say that again. We have a tendency to seek things that will dull our pain, but that don't really give us the opportunity for healing. We might escape into media or video games or alcohol or pornography or overeating or something else that, that seems to, to settle us a little bit, but in the end, it doesn't heal us. And in the end, it, it often will make things way worse as we keep moving forward. Uh, to combat depression, I'm going to encourage you to seek regular face-to-face -face time with someone who can love you and can be your friend. You know, use your phone, but just use your phone to arrange to get together with that person. Sit across from them. Look in their eyes. Um, shake their hand. Uh, have them pat you on the back or you pat them. Maybe even get a hug. You don't have to talk about your problems all the time with them. Just sometimes being together, playing cards, talking, um, sharing a cup of coffee, telling stories, maybe even laugh. Um, I repeat, get face-to-face -face with people regularly who can love you and can be your friend. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. A final suggestion I wanna make to you is serve others. Serve others. I will tell you that this is one of the most important things that you can do that will directly help your depression. It is to regularly serve other people in your life in practical ways. 
you know, to make choices to love each other in a way, you know, to give your time and energy away, helping somebody who, who needs your help in, in some way. Um, it, that will help you to cooperate with God in healing your depression. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Jesus' primary instruction to us, if you want to ever just boil it down to one thing about how Jesus has told us to live life with each other, it would be serve one another. You know, he was a servant, and that's what he taught us. Um, that's how we're wired to be happy is in, in the process of service. The psychiatrist M. Scott Peck wrote many years ago of a client that he had who he'd been working with um, who had this sense of lingering melancholy and, and really borderline depression, um, really just unhappiness over time. He'd done therapy with her for a long, long time, and he just couldn't seem to get any progress with her at all. Um, one day when she showed up for an appointment, he just looked at her and he said, just come with me. And they left, and they went to a convalescent hospital where he often would go and work. And they spent the afternoon there talking to residents, helping them in different ways, um, telling jokes, listening to their stories, you know, just doing small things to brighten their day. At the end of the afternoon, Peck looked at his client who was smiling and laughing, and he said, you look happy. And she said, I, I don't know when I have felt this good. So he said, well, this is what you need to do then. You don't need to come see me. Just come here and help these people and you'll be happy. And he said that her face fell. She stared at him seriously and she said, you mean come here and do this all the time? Oh, I could never do that. She held in her hand the key to overcoming her unhappiness and she placed it on the ground and walked away. I'm telling you that God is calling us to pick up that key. Um, as we encourage uh, our, our life to go with God um, in this way, um, I think that we can find greater lasting help and healing for our times of depression. So in summary, I just want uh, to cooperate with God uh, in helping change our melancholy and our depression. We need to be focused on changing our thoughts and our actions. We can't just change our feelings directly. We always have to be thinking, how can I think differently? How can I act differently? I just gave you some simple suggestions tonight in changing our thoughts to encourage you to memorize some verses that, in, that focus on faith and perseverance um, and pray in balance in your life. Make sure you include those different elements. Um, in terms of changing our actions, make healthy choices, seek healthy relationships, and serve one another. I'm convinced that God wants us to discover healing in our lives. You know, depression and difficult times are a part of life, but God wants to give us hope. He doesn't want us just to, to stay there. He wants us to, to be able to move forward, um, to really to move towards greater joy and greater peace in our life. He wants us to be able to find healing and help. One in, in my mind, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible um, records Jesus' words to us. It's found in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen. Why don't you pray with me? Father God, we love you. We are grateful for the fact that your word offers us hope and help. And I just pray, Father, for this group tonight. I'm so appreciative of them coming out tonight. And I just pray, Father, that you would take whatever wisdom is here, whatever truth from your word, um, and just apply it in their lives. If if anyone here is struggling, um, Father, I pray that it would be helpful for them and that they would uh, look around and find others who can support them and encourage them in this. And Father, if they know folks, I pray that they will be able to take some of these ideas and, and help those folks around them. God, we love you. We trust you. We look for help from you always. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.